So I received a message recently from somebody who's thinking about becoming a yoga teacher. And she asked, what is it like to be a yoga teacher? What can I expect? Like, can I just take a teacher training and then start working full time? What would my life look like after a teacher training? And now this podcast, of course, is for you who are either in teacher training or recently graduated or thinking about taking one. So I thought this was a really relevant question to just share what my actual life is like as a full-time yoga teacher. And I've been doing this now since 2011. And I learned a few things that work really well and created some nice habits for myself. Uh, but there is some actual work that you don't see that you might not even guess that's part of teaching yoga. And it's not all uh, Instagram photo shoots and morning routines and uh, green juices, right? So there's a, there's a whole lot going on behind the scenes that you might not be aware of. So I'm going to share about that today in this podcast. My name is Jeremy Devins. This is the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. And I actually have my next yoga teacher training is coming up in just a few weeks. And just between us here on the podcast, I'm not sharing this anywhere else yet, but starting next Monday on August 10th, 2020, I will have a special early bird pricing available for the teacher training, uh, but it will officially open up uh, just shortly after that. But because you're listening to the podcast, I thought you might be interested. It's going to be all online covering the 10 core competencies of yoga I covered in a previous episode. You can go back to all the anatomy stuff I talked about previously, the three phases that you learn in. So everything that I cover in this podcast is part of what is in the teacher training. So if you're interested in that, just check out quietmind.yoga, sign up for any of my free offers there, and you'll be updated as soon as I send that email out early next week. And You can get in the early bird pricing for the fall 2020 teacher training. Really looking forward to it, really exciting. And today... I'm going to tell you about what an actual day in my life looks like. So, of course, I get up at 4.30 a.m. and I do two and a half hours of yoga every day. And then I meditate for another hour. Then I take a cold shower uh, for about 30 minutes. And then a hot shower for about 30 minutes. Uh, then I do uh, an hour of chanting. Uh, and then I do an hour of walking meditation. And then uh, it's about time for breakfast. So I have, uh, <laughs> I can't do this too long. Obviously I'm making this up. This is not the real reality of things. And sometimes people think that to be a yoga teacher, you need to be the master of everything to do with yoga. And you need to be practicing all day, every day. And if you're not, you're, you're not a good teacher. Of course, that's not realistic. And you got to keep in mind that the majority of the people that you're going to be teaching yoga to have busy lives. They've got other stuff going on. They're coming to yoga one hour a day, maybe once a week, maybe three times a week. If they're maybe five times a week, it's more common to be around three times a week that I see my most dedicated students. And from what I've seen over the years from other teachers as well, about 90% of your students are going to be people who are not trying to be gymnasts or trying to be contortionists. They're just average people who want to feel good in their body and move and stretch and feel some, feel a little bit stronger, prevent pains in their back and their shoulders and just feel good overall. And the majority of students that I see come to me, uh, and maybe at first they have a lot of requests, a lot of issues with their hips, or their shoulders, or back. 
but they just start coming regularly for a couple times a week and their requests go away and they just feel great and they maintain that health and wellness and then they slowly improve postures over time. But they're not trying to do scorpion pose or crazy inversions or back bends right off the bat. Over time, they might get interested in that stuff. But the majority of your students just want to feel good in their body. So I make it a priority for me. First thing above everything else is my own self-care. So if I don't feel good in my body and I don't know how to work out my own kinks and tensions, I'm not going to be able to help others do that. So that has changed a lot over the years of what it looks like. Earlier on, it was all asana and making sure I go to class once a day, maybe twice a day even. I would go to, I really liked, uh, a couple of my teachers would have a vinyasa, then a yin class. So three hours of yoga right there, uh, vinyasa and yin back to back is really nice. If you can find that, that's really nice. Or you can do that online now. There's so many online offerings. Uh, but whatever your practice looks like is totally going to be personal to you. It's not about comparing yourself or judging yourself or some false expectations. That's not yoga. So right now, my actual asana practice is a lot more of yin yoga. And like usually towards the end of the day, uh, usually doing things with therapy balls as well. Uh, that's not necessarily asana by a traditional sense. But what is is sitting in meditation is pretty much it. If you want to really, really do the traditional yoga, you want to sit in meditation and withdraw your senses and focus your mind to the point of stillness. That's really the roots of yoga. Uh, but everything beyond that, with even down dog and any of the postures we do, that's all, you know, more modern evolutions of things, uh, modern like thousand years ago, but but even more so a lot of the modern postures are really evolutions of that. So it's finding what is right for you and not trying to say it has to look a certain way. And I think earlier on, it is really good and really beneficial to get a lot of experience if you can and try a lot of different postures. But eventually, if you're like me, you keep going to those classes and you, you find some classes that really resonate and you find a lot of classes that are like, that's just not what my body needs today. So I'm not going to do that. And you got to find what works for you. And more and more, you might find that you really just like doing a home practice especially as a teacher, right? And you really start to learn why we do everything we do, how it all fits together, uh, how to take requests. Then you start to do that for yourself of like, okay, I've got some back pain. All right, pigeon pose might feel good. Uh, apanasana, legs up the wall. You know, you find what works for you and you do that. So that's what I do in my own practice. And it can vary quite a bit. So sometimes it's like 10 minutes in the morning, Sometimes it's like 30 minutes in the morning, hour in the morning. Most recently, what I've been doing is going to the gym every morning because I find that my muscles are more tense already, more tight in the morning. So doing flexibility stuff often is more difficult for me and my body. But during the evening, it feels fantastic. And it's my muscles are more warm and opened up from the day. And it's a great way to wind down because I'm going to be sedentary, not moving for eight hours during my sleep. So I like to do some evening yin yoga and in the morning I might do some therapy ball stuff and then go to the gym. And I consider that part of my practice too, because our muscles need to be both contracting and lengthening. And that was the big mistake I made early on in my own practice and self-care, thinking that I needed to just stretch everything. So I have the morning routine of getting up early, usually around six or seven. Uh, in the past, I've done like 4 a.m., you know, go do yoga. I've done the two and a half hour morning meditation, uh, sadhana, for, I did that for a couple of years. 
uh, it's good to explore these things. It's good to try them on, see what works for you. And if you like it, keep it. And if not, if it's not working anymore, try something else. And my current routine will probably change. But self-care is number one. Again, I can't reiterate that enough. If you're going to be helping others take care of themselves, you've got to take care of yourself. And for me, that looks like working out, doing a little yin yoga and meditation. Usually I'll do like 10 minutes a day of meditation lately. Uh, that feels about right for me. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter. But around 10 minutes of daily just sitting in stillness or laying in stillness. So I'm very much about listening and adapting to what feels right and not so much about a rigid approach. And I think that's totally fine if you are, if you like this, like, no, 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 this is meditation. You sit stiff and straight and you focus on this mantra. You know, everybody has their thing. And the thing is, if we just look around at all the different traditions out there, they're all right, right? So there's no, there's no one way. If there was just one way, then that's what everyone would do. There's a lot of ways and you got to find your way and ultimately listen to what is in alignment for you. And I think that's the real skill of yoga. Where is the alignment, the unity, the centeredness here for me? Some days it's taking a foot bath or getting a massage or going for a long walk or just having quality time with my partner and making food. We like to, uh, it's kind of, we call it baking, but it's not baking. We just sort of uh, make raw vegan snacks. Uh, which are really easy and fun and extremely fatty. But if it's made with love, it has zero calories. This is very important. If you make food with love, it has zero calories. So that's a big part of my foundation, right? And I'm talking a lot about this because it's so important. Self-care is number one. And then number two is creation. So this is where it's really important. I think the biggest thing that I've learned as a teacher is not to think like an employee, but to think like an entrepreneur. So what do I do in most of my time that I'm not doing self-care so when I'm actually working now is I'm creating something. So it's what kind of podcast could I make? What kind of blog could I make? I used to write blogs, but now I just do podcasts. Uh, YouTube content. What kind of videos could I make? What kind of future courses do people want? And it's, it's almost always 100% based on people's requests because that's what I do in a class. I ask at the beginning of every class, you know, do you have any requests, anything you want to focus on? And then I teach to that. And if they don't, then I teach to some theme that's interesting to me. And it's very important that you stay inspired and interested yourself. If that's reading a book or going to a class or learning something completely outside of yoga, I like to play guitar and make music and draw. And these have nothing to do necessarily with yoga as we think of it but it gets my brain in a different headspace and gives me new insights and, and it's just following my inspiration and it might give me new awareness and new metaphors new perspectives on things so always follow your inspiration and all the things that you take in the media the interests the movies the writing the reading whatever you take in that's going to become your output 100 percent You've probably noticed if you if you watch to other teachers and look at who they're influenced by, they're repeating things and they're picking up pieces and making it their own. Uh, but ultimately, as teachers, we're creating offers and creating things for people, and they're the culmination of everything that we've taken in. So make sure that you're taking in things that are interesting and inspiring and that can be helpful to you. And if it's helpful to you, it's going to be helpful to someone else. So that's the second big part of my day is creation time. And this can all vary quite a bit. 
what I aim to do is have at least four hours a day of work, pretty much every day. And you might have a couple of days off if you want, but uh, in some days I end up just taking off because it's like, I can't do anything. And that's okay too, because I worked really hard for three days and did a bunch of stuff. And then I just feel spent and I just need to recharge. And again, this is like yoga. It's like you take child's pose when you need to, and you got to listen to what feels right for you. And this is the cool thing about being a yoga teacher is we have the freedom to do this. When I've, I've worked nine to five jobs and jobs I did not like just because it's like, well, I need to make some money. So I'm going to do this. And I didn't believe that I could make a living only doing work I love. It was a big limiting belief I had to work through for years. Uh, so I worked a job and I, I just did a job to make some money and be able to do things I actually did like. And uh, I tried to find time for my interest outside of that job. Uh, but you know, it's inevitably like you just, you get tired and you end up just wanting to relax and do nothing. Uh, but I still found a way to make time for yoga and things that matter to me and eventually slowly shifted to just doing the things I really like. Uh, so I didn't have that freedom and you might not have that freedom right now and that's okay, but you just work with the little time that you have and just be really intentional. And I like to plan out my week ahead. I really like to plan a lot. Like I've got a month calendar that I'm looking at right now. So when I do recording in my recording sort of studio, uh, I have a year long calendar that is every month and the whole thing is sort of generally planned out. And again, I'm always listening to where is the feeling and what feels right. And it's like a yoga class. Do I need to take child's pose and do less right now? Or do I want to increase things and challenge myself more and add a vinyasa here and, you know, challenge myself? So always adapting. I think that's the real skill of yoga, to follow the flow of energy. But I have the general year planned out. And I've got, you know, my weekly reviews that I do each week and sort of keep track of things and see where I'm at. And so some weeks like uh, coming up, I'm gonna be focusing a whole lot on creating content for my teacher training. The last couple weeks, it was all about creating content for my Astrology 101 course and my Yoga for Beginners course. And that was my main focus. So that was like the biggest chunk of my time and that four, it's like four to six hours of, day, of a day that I work and really focus on just working. And I like to use time trackers to stay focused uh, because in all this online work, it can get sort of overwhelming and confusing of like, well, where am I at? What am I focusing on? So I use time trackers and like little timers and things like this. Uh, you'll find your ways that work for you. I like to use the app Asana, which of course they say Asana, but we are yogis. We know that's not the Sanskrit pronunciation. It's asana, so that's what I call the app, asana. And there's a little time tracker in there as well. So it's great for putting all my tasks in there, tracking my time and making sure I do my four to six hours of work a day. And that also could include teaching. So of course, as a yoga teacher, uh, this is really important. And I put it third here because it's a lot of teachers make this mistake. You become a yoga teacher and you think, oh, I just have to teach all the time and I never have time for my own practice. And this is sort of a cliche of the yoga teacher who's always teaching but never doing their own practice. Don't be that person. You don't have to be that person. That is not, that, no, nowhere in your teacher training is that required or even recommended. So self-care is number one. And if that means it's just five minutes of meditation a day, then that's great. 
whatever it is for you, but self-care is number one. Then creation, focusing on what am I going to keep creating and growing so you never get stagnant and you don't become the the elderly yoga teacher who just worked at studios their whole life and never made more than 30 bucks a class and, you know, never really figured out, you know, why they couldn't make a living teaching yoga and kind of struggled, but they liked teaching and they're, they're helpful, but everyone was just like, you could, you could be charging so much more and you should be so much more successful and famous and, you know, people should be coming to you or whatever, you know, it's not saying that you should do it for those reasons. But if you're genuinely helping people, just think about it. Like think about the Western medical system, which is multi, multi billions dollar industry and the power that yoga has to heal people's lives. And maybe they no longer need medications or maybe they, they heal issues like chronic fatigue or autoimmune issues that were just mysterious to Western medicine. I've seen this happen so many times. I'm not saying it's guaranteed. I'm not saying I'm better than a doctor or yoga teachers are better. But it's incredibly powerful, incredibly healing and helpful in so many ways. It can uh, eliminate pains and help reduce the need for surgeries and, you know, so many benefits, so many benefits. Is that worth, you know, just charging $50 instead of $30? Is it worth asking a little bit more, right? just knowing that they might be saving millions of dollars over their life through doctor visits and surgeries and medications? Potentially, right? Potentially. Right? I'm not saying Western medicine is bad, but the the health field in general is what we're working in, which is people typically spend a whole lot of money on a whole lot of other stuff that might not always be as helpful when we can work holistically and naturally. So it's important to claim your worth and understand your worth as a teacher and make offers that show that you know your worth and that, that people want to invest in. And sometimes if you look at, okay, this class is $10, but that class is $20. And you think, well, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sore and tense and I've had this back pain for months and I really want to resolve this issue. I'm going to go to the teacher who charges a little more because I know that they're going to help me, right? It's like, if you're going to get brain surgery, do you want to go to the, the cheap budget brain surgeon or do you want to go to the best brain surgeon in the country? And they're probably going to charge quite a bit more, right? So thinking about your worth in this way and thinking about what you can continue to offer so you never get stagnant and you don't just become, you know, I just taught, you know, three times a week for 50 years and I can never pay my bills. All right. There's no reason to become that. That's not part of anything to do with yoga. Uh, it, it's, it is, I can understand, you know, the, there's the tradition of uh, the holy men of India who like the rishis, the, the sages, people who just live their lives in meditation the ascetics, the renunciates, and they would just kind of live off people's donations. And they would just go around and uh, share their spiritual knowledge and people would donate food and shelter and they'd do fine. Uh, we live in a very different time and th there, that still exists today in India. But if you live in the Western society, I mean, it's very different. Like just try being a beggar in Western society. It's a very different culture. And just try going and share your spiritual teachings on the on the median, on the street, and just preach your teachings and see how many people want to give you food and shelter. It's a very different culture where part of what we do is we trade our information, our experience, our time and attention for dollars, which we convert into whatever we choose to invest in. And we can keep investing in ourselves that way and keep having more to give. So all that to say, it's very important that you focus on creation before just 
teaching the classes you already have. So where, well, how are you growing next? Right. Then the third thing is the teaching, actual teaching classes. And of course, give your best, do your all, make those classes important, significant, helpful. Uh, I like to make sure we address the whole body in pretty much every class, have a specific theme for each class. And, and I'm teaching right now uh, about six times a week in total. There's three times a week through my website, my membership, and three times through corporate classes. And then on top of that, there's uh, sort of less consistent. So it's I can't say it's weekly, but there's uh, astrology readings. There's interviews with podcasts. There's different things that come up uh, of, of teaching in this sort of vein each week. Uh, but that's all kind of irregular. So for sure, is the, the teaching of the classes is six times a week. And I think that's a pretty reasonable uh, amount. So when I say full-time teacher, it doesn't mean I'm teaching 40 hours a week. And I don't think that's sustainable for anybody. Full-time, like maximum, would be like, well, 20 would be really pushing it. Uh, I've done that before. Uh, the highest I, because I, I took it as a challenge a couple of years into my teaching. Somebody said, you know, you can't teach 20 classes a week, you'll get burned out. So I tried it for a month. I, I had subbed everywhere I could. I taught my, my regular classes, did more privates uh, 20 times a week. And by the end of it, you know, I was determined not to be exhausted. So I, I did pretty well. I, I don't think I'd recommend doing that for like a year, but. It is doable if you want to make sort of push yourself. Uh, I definitely learned a lot in that experience. I became a better teacher for it and uh, noticed where I had inefficiencies in my teaching of like overly planning things too much. So that could be helpful. Uh, but if you want to sort of push and, and grow your income a bit as a newer teacher, usually you're not going to make as much as a newer teacher right off the bat because you have less experience, of course, but you can give more of your time and teach more and get more experience quickly. And uh, that can also increase your income as well. So what kind of income can you expect as a full-time teacher? Well, if you look online, you'll hear numbers that are based on 40 hours a week. So you see like, oh, you know, let me, I have it pulled up here actually. Uh, so, you know, they say like, if you make in New York, $31 an hour, that's $66,000 an annual salary. Again, they're not factoring in that most teachers are teaching like six to eight to 10 classes a week, right? So that doesn't quite add up the same, uh, but if you find other creative outlets, and again, that's why I said focusing on what you're going to create is most important. Like, uh, is it going to be a podcast or YouTube or online courses, uh, online classes? How can you keep growing and expanding as a teacher? And that's got to be like the big priority in your schedule. Then the teaching, of course, and then communication time. So this is like interacting with your students. Now, for me, I get quite a few messages each day that I'm responding to, and those messages become future episodes of podcasts and future classes. And I'm just like taking requests, like, okay, people want this, so I'll make this and you know, answer that question and resolve this issue this way. Uh, as a newer teacher, you might not have as many messages coming in, but you can still interact with the students you do have and send them emails and send out a weekly email to your newsletter. I think this is really important. 
Uh, and then the, the last thing on my general schedule, number five is admin tasks. And that's like managing my website, uh, updating pieces of info on my site, the copy, the text on my site, uh, maybe redesigning things, making graphics for YouTube thumbnails or graphics for my website. So it's, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Uh, I'm very fortunate to have an assistant with some things who's a teacher that I met a couple years ago who was looking for some more opportunities to do work as a yoga teacher or in the yoga field. So I asked her if she'd be willing to help me with some things. So that was helpful. And as you grow and expand, you'll have, if you're constantly creating things, you're going to have more things you, more than you can possibly finish in a day. And I always have a to-do list that's uh, more than I could possibly do in a day. And that's uh, I think a good place to be actually, as long as you're okay with knowing you're not going to finish it and you're not thinking that you have to finish it all, just to say like, okay, there's a lot of things I can focus on what feels right today. And that's kind of how I operate of uh, listing out all my intentions and goals and, and actions that need to be taken and kind of feel into which one can I do next that feels in alignment and there's energy behind it. And I actually follow the uh, Vedic astrology of the day. So I use this app called Align 27. That's really cool. I've talked a lot about it on my astrology podcast. And that can kind of give you some insight of what times are high energy and low energy throughout the day. And I try to plan my day accordingly. And if I don't, I actually often end up doing it anyway, which is really fascinating. Like I feel like a huge lull of energy and want to take a nap. And I do, and I wake up and I look at the app and it's like, oh, that was the perfect time to take a nap. So again, this is the cool thing about being a yoga teacher or any sort of entrepreneur where I'm just completely making my schedule is if I need to take a nap, I can do it. And if I want to go for a walk with my partner, I can do it. If I want to go and do all my work in the morning or the evening or the afternoon, I can adjust my schedule to do that. So that's really awesome. But I try to aim for about four to six hours of working time a day and I use the Asana app to track that time and those tasks to make sure I'm moving forward because I don't have a boss telling me like, hey, where's that podcast or where's that class you're going to do? So I have my own inner authority and this is really important as an entrepreneurial focused yoga teacher is to have that sort of voice in your head that's like, okay, time to make sure you do this thing and you put it on a calendar and you, you make sure it gets done uh, and then you might have an accountability partner. I actually meet with somebody every week uh, who's in a, uh, she's not a, in the yoga field, but she's also in like online business. So we get sort of different perspectives and can bounce ideas. And that that's a way of keeping accountable. That can be really helpful is having a partner who's like, okay, what are you going to do this week? And then next week it's like, okay, did you do it? So that can be really helpful if you don't have, because you don't have a boss. So if you are a little intimidated about just having all this freedom, like, oh my gosh, I can totally make my own schedule and do anything. Nobody's telling me what to do. How will I get anything done? That's why I have the calendar in front of me every day, every right here in my office. And I have uh, the Asana app and I have the accountability partner. So lots of uh, layers of accountability and uh, structure to make sure that things get done. And then the feedback from the students makes it all really feel relevant and makes makes me know that, okay, this is working. And then making sure that I'm responding to them and making content based on their request helps me know that I am uh, doing something that's actually wanted and needed. And I've made podcasts that less people listen to. It's like, okay, people weren't interested in that. 
So I try to get back in alignment of like, okay, what would be more interesting? What are people wanting more of? And then how can I create that and focus on that? So all that, the, the creation time, the teaching, the communication, the admin, that all fits in that four to six hour window. And there's been a lot of research on this, that the eight hour workday is, is essentially just a, a convenience thing of Western civilization. It's not a, a optimal work thing. It's a convenience thing so that we can shuttle the kids to school, get the parents to work, you know, and then all the whole system of just keeping people in one place if you need them and all this stuff. Uh, that the whole eight hour workday is not optimal for the brain function and the cognitive skills and focus and all that. So most research I've seen, and there's a lot of great uh, research on this, like four hours a day is, is pretty optimal. And then there's like books you may have, you know, seen like the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, which is just absurd. That guy, of course, does not work four hours a day. He's working all the time. I mean, he doesn't work four hours a week. He works all the time. Uh, he might work four hours a day. That's more reasonable. Uh, and he might have assistance for things. Uh, but there's just no way. There's no way that anybody's actually just working four hours an entire week. And that's it. Uh, that's not a reasonable goal. And just trying to like get a lifestyle where you're just making passive income, working on a beach, it's not going to work. Right? It's going to dry up eventually. You could make the best online yoga course and and get this passive income where it's like, oh my gosh, like thousands of dollars are coming in and I'm not doing anything. Well, you had to do a bunch of work to make that course. And if you just let it sit for a while, uh, you might make some money for a couple months, but then it starts to dry up and people want something else. And you know, the majority of people that were looking for that thing have already bought it. So now what? Right. So it's this long game. It's this long, patient game of like, what can I create next? Uh, what do people need more of? I'm not trying to look for quick wins or quick, uh, easy outs or uh, some ways to like sort of hack business or something. Right? That's all just silly. You know, just just be genuine. Just focus on like, what can you genuinely help people with and stay in alignment with your dharma and your purpose. And I try to do that day by day, right? So it's morning, I get up, I do my uh, workout to feel good and strong in my body. And I'm much more receptive to stretching later in the day. And then I go, I usually go teach a class. I uh, usually record some videos for YouTube or my membership site, record some podcasts, respond to emails and communications. Uh, and I, I'm always like updating my systems, my calendars, uh, my admin backend side of stuff. Uh, I'm usually just teach once or twice in a day. That's a good amount for me. The most I've found I can do is like three times a day. Uh, and if it's like little short things, I can do quite a bit, but around three hours a day of teaching is quite a bit. That's about my limit. I've gone up to five or six and I just get brain dead at that point. So I don't recommend that. And, uh, and then I try to just make sure I stay within that like four to six hour window. Even if I don't quite feel like it every day, like, okay, I'm kind of dragging, but I know if I just keep doing a little bit here and just do my best, uh, you know, I, I try to look for those tasks that really light me up the most. And I write down all my tasks and everything I could think of like, okay, I could do this. I could do that. And then some of them just keep getting pushed back and then they just, you know, they're okay, I'm not going to do that. That doesn't feel right anymore. Uh, but typically I just have my list and I just focus on like, okay, what can I do next? That's most interesting and inspiring. Uh, manage social media accounts, manage communications, 
Sorry. So that's a typical day. And then the evening, I like to just have downtime with my partner. And I think this is really important, really important that you honor those downtimes and think that like, just because I feel lazy and want to do nothing and be brain dead, uh, that's not a problem. That's not a bad thing, right? That's your brain saying like, okay, I maxed out my focused attention. Now it's time to reset. So let yourself reset, let yourself be brain dead a little bit and recharge and Maybe you do some yoga, meditation, maybe just watch some bad TV shows or movies. I think that's totally fine and totally healthy. Uh, and then you go to sleep and you wake up, recharge and reset and you come back and do your best for a couple hours. Again, like four to six hours, I recommend. And then when you're done, you're done and totally rest. Be fully offline when you're offline and have clear boundaries of your work. So you're not getting constant text messages and notifications and email notifications on your phone when you're not working, because then you get pulled back, right? So have those clear boundaries, like this is my work time, this is my rest time. And self-care is so important. And really you can't do much more than like five or six hours a day of good solid work. And if you're trying to do any more than that, your your boundaries need to be clearer and, uh, you're just going to burn out anyway. And you're going to end up having days where you do absolutely nothing for several days in a row. So it just ends up balancing out anyway. Uh, and I find it more sustainable to do it this way. Morning routine, four to six hours of work, offline time, enjoy your life, have hobbies, live your life, keep being interested and inspired in other things, do things that have nothing to do with work, draw, dance, sing, color, go on long walks with your partner, uh, and then do some sort of evening routine to wind down and repeat. And that's a typical day in my life as a full-time teacher. And I'm really, really, really grateful for it. I love it. It's everything I wanted it to be years ago when I was working jobs that I did not like and thought had this limiting belief that I could only uh, make money doing stuff I don't like. But that's not true. It's 100% not true. You can make living doing stuff you love. And you can make a great living doing stuff you love if you just focus on it and stay with it and be consistent. And you can make a lot more than those uh, average yoga teacher salaries, but you've got to be creative. You've got to create courses and offerings and new ways of approaching things and always be on that sort of leading edge of what can you create next and how can you grow as a teacher and what do people want and how can I offer that to them? So I hope this is helpful for you in gaining insight and in what it's like to be a full-time teacher and what it might be like for you. There's a lot of freedom to it, but there's also a ton of responsibility and you've got to you know, make the most of that freedom and responsibility. And uh, it's not just Instagram photo shoots on the beach and six hours of yoga every morning and doing scorpions and handstands. It's listening to what's in alignment for you, just like yoga. It's exactly like a yoga practice, but it's extended out over the 16 waking hours of your day instead of just one hour on the mat. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And again, check back on my website, check your email, make sure you go to quietmind.yoga and sign up for any of my free offers where you can get notified about the next yoga teacher training, which is just over a month away from today. I'm really excited about this, all online. And there will be a special early bird pricing only for people who are part of the Quiet Mind community, which means just anybody who's on my email list, essentially. So that can be you, and you can get the early bird pricing. And there are payment plans as well for the Quiet Mind Yoga Teacher Training coming up this fall. 
All right. Hope you have a great rest of your day and your week. Thank you for listening and talk to you more next week.